0: G'day everyone and welcome to Unplugged. We're back from the bye. We're gearing up for Brisbane at the Gabba. A massive challenge against one of the top four sides in the competition, something that we are aiming to be. We obviously entered the bye in the top four, got squeezed out after the Cats beat the Western Bulldogs last Friday night, but we do have a game in hand to potentially reclaim that spot as it gets pretty interesting at the top of the table. Uh, We are feeling a little bit of the mid-year blues within our own uh, hosting uh, pack. I've only recently recovered or still recovering from COVID. Nick Splitter, one of our co-hosts, has COVID and is out of action today. And my other co-host, Aaron McGrath, is waiting on a PCR test and may well have COVID, but he is with us Today, But we're all battling to a degree. We'll be joined a bit later on by Philip Deladakis, who did join us earlier in the season leading up to the Richmond game in round three as a co-host when I was unavailable uh, that particular week. Uh, but we are going to, in a moment, kick things off with a very special guest in Nova Paris, an Olympic gold medalist, a dual Commonwealth Games gold medalist, and a gold medalist in two sports, which is as rare as hen's teeth, uh, for someone to be able to get to the elite level uh, on two occasions in two separate disciplines. So we'll have a chat to her. She's an ambassador for Danny Frawley's game. Uh, she's also obviously doing some terrific work in the Indigenous space as um, Auntie uh, Auntie Amon as well, the mother of um Carl Amon of course has been down at the club doing some terrific things and obviously a heavy indigenous presence within the club so and the mother of course of Jack who's making his way through the St Kilda system at the moment so a lot to talk to her about but Aaron we've uh got you on board we're all battling a degree of adversity but um we push towards the weekend with a uh, a bit of optimism
1: yeah down but not out hopefully similar similar story for us this this coming week we've had the week off. Um, go into this game this week probably more confident than we did last year. Yeah, thinking um, it, it's a sort of game with the, if we looked at it, we'd be going normally. oh, Look, Brisbane are flying. We're going to go up there. We're going to struggle. Yeah, let's let's try to keep it reasonable, I guess. But yeah, we we got there reasonably confident. I reckon. Um, they they're a really good team. They, they, they probably had a they had a good start last week. and Then Frio just overran them like, straight, right over top of them. So, um, it, yeah, the place we won there, they haven't won there. So we, we just keep looking at the draw, keep looking at what's happened, and sort of think, yeah, we're we absolutely right in this match. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely going go, go to very confident.
0: An extensive preview of that game to come, but we're going to jump into our very special guest, nice and early, this week. Nova Paris, the girl from
2: Darwin, has a gold medal. The young Australian of the year is Miss
3: Nova Paris. <clears throat> coming
0: after a Hewitt with Paris-Neebone.
1: Campbell making ground. Gage Taylor in front. Hewitt and Paris-Neebone coming. Nebone
0: Games for Taylor Peris Nebone. won the gold. Well, our next guest is a dual Olympian, Australia's first Indigenous Australian gold medalist in field hockey in 1996. Switched to athletics, won gold at the Commonwealth Games as well in the 200 metres and in the 4x100 relay as well. Also, champions trophy and World Cup gold medalist is an ambassador. For Spud's game with St Kilda playing Essendon next week and is also the mother of a current saint of course in Jack and what other name but Jack and Nova thank you very much for, uh, for joining us on the program.
4: No worries at all thanks for having me.
0: Uh, t- tell us about what it's like being the uh, I guess the mother of a of an AFL footballer obviously you've been around elite sport your, your entire life but, but what's it like being a mother is it more nerve-wracking?
4: Oh, oh, absolutely it is, and I mean, obviously it was a dream of Jack from the time he was, I think, ten or eleven years old, and he, and he spoke about it when he was interviewed by, uh, by Jacko in, um, in Northern Territory, He was like, you know, what do you, what's your ambitions in life? And Jack was like, yeah, I might go to the Olympics, and you know, I might go to boarding school in Melbourne, and and hopefully get drafted. And so he's he's achieved two of those dreams so so far, and. You know, I guess the fact that Jack was in St. Kilda's pathway whilst he was down here at um, school at Melbourne Grammar, they'd been looking after him for the past four years. So, you know, we, we couldn't have scripted it any better. And I'm absolutely thrilled that he's with the Saints. And it's amazing, you know, well, not really amazing because I sort of think, well, it's the hard yards that they've put in as a, you know, as a, as a club. But the culture of the club is absolutely just fantastic and couldn't have wanted him to go to a, any other club
1: did you follow the game really closely before you went to the club or did, did you even follow St Kilda or were you on, on someone oh, else before then
4: well being a Darwin girl I I grew up with Michael Long so I I was very close to Michael his um mum and dad was on the mission on the Tiwi Islands with my mother so from a very young age we sort of you know when I went to hockey he went to football so it was a pathway of mine I I was a bit of an Essendon supporter through Michael Long's era and, you know, but obviously with, you know, the great man, Nicky Winmar, we're all sort of dabbling in elite sport. I was representing Australia whilst Nicky was playing for Saints and, and, and Michael was playing for Essendon. So, um, you know, like for the last three to four years, whilst Jack has been at the club, you know, um, I, I can't have looked at any other club apart from St Kilda. So I'm absolutely thrilled to be supporting, you know, um, you know, spuds game and, and Danny Frawley was a, a tremendous human being. And, um, you know, it's just tragedy of what happened to him. So when I was asked to be, you know, part of part of it and, and we know sort of mental health, it just, it's wide and vast throughout Australia. So any sort of help that I can give to this space, you know, it's something that you don't, you don't even have to ask me twice about.
0: Do you feel that your position is, is unique in the sense that you've been able to represent Australia in a team sport but also represent Australia individually, where it's the self-motivation and, and all of that sort of stuff. And I guess how much of an understanding has that given you into the pressures of, of sport when it comes to even the messages that Danny was trying to put out, but also with the challenges that, um, that your son would be facing?
4: Um, look, absolutely. I think anyone who goes into elite sport, you know, needs to have support around them with regards to, you know, it's 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 the cutting edge to make it or break it, you know, and especially if you look at sort of Jack now, he's, you know, was rookie drafted, he's only 18 years old and playing solid consistency in the VFL. And, you know, it's it's hard for anyone to sort of break through and in, into that AFL team, especially when both the VFL, the Zebras and, and uh, St Kilda are doing so well, respectively. But you know, it's, it's the one percenters and you, and you can have everything, but it's just so hard to, to sort of break through at the, at the highest level. And, you know, it's, it's a privilege to play elite sport. And I sort of feel that there's so much pressure. I sort of feel in terms of, because it is your work, you know, you, you rock up every day to train and you're required to do all the things necessary to, to make it. And, sometimes you might get a bit deluded as to why you can't get through and you're doing everything right. And at the end of the day, it's just a matter of time, you know, before you do get that opportunity, but elite sport, I sort of feel if you're playing, it's amazing, but it's, it's not a sexy thing in terms of, you know, the, the, the hustle and, and the grind it takes to, to put your body through it. And, um, you know, even through my own athletic days, there's been a number of athletes who have been so wound up in elite sports that when they finish, it's like, well, where does my life lead to now? Because they've had the construct of the support physically, mentally, you know, all the, the support in the world. And then when they leave the system, it's like, well, shit, where, where does my life take me? And I've seen so many people and, um, you know, at that elite level sport and It's not just that. I sort of feel even given COVID, you know, the coping mechanism that isn't really there, the support, it's not there. So it's hard, you know, and and I do know um, a number of people who have been in that dark space and, you know, have ended in tragic, you know, tragic circumstance. And I don't know if there'd be many people who don't know people have gone to that very dark place. And if they don't have the ability to pick up the phone and say, Hey guys, I need help. um, You know, it's, it is sad, but quite often a lot of people don't like to talk about it. um, When in actual fact, we should be talking about it, you know, so much so that people know that they can pick up the phone and, and call a friend or, you know, I sort of feel that clubs, in sports, right across all sports, in fact, they don't sort of do enough with regards to to provide that ongoing support post that elite sport space. Um, And we should do more, you know. Um, I'm good friends with a number of um, ex-AFL players and um, ex-athletes that sort of have gone down that path and, yeah, but anyway, I'm here to support the the great cause. And, you know, um, today or next week's not a destination, it's a journey and and we can only get bigger and stronger and, and um, have more voices to the cause.
1: I was going to lead into that and say we've seen the launch down at Moorabbin and um, basically yourself and Richo and Tom Boyd and a few others down there with the um, basically launching the project but what what sort of role are you taking on in this um is it involving game day next week as well or what what are you doing in in amongst it all
4: um i guess um i've, I've made myself available for the the promotional video um you know i had a choice of what sort of message that i wanted to give and my message that i chose was for the community um because it is about the community we want to and know that support is there for everyone, um, irrespective of, of your background. And, um, unfortunately I, I won't be at the game cause I'm actually heading off to the, um, to the Hawkesbury for a 10 day silent retreat. Um, so I'm sort of, you know, training my mental capacity and, and giving myself a break, um, with all the stuff that I do. And, you know, it's also about self care. You know, you can, as a human being and especially someone with a profile you often find that you're always giving 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 but at times we need to take a big back step and realize that you know you can't give if you're empty yourself so unfortunately I won't be there next next weekend but you know I, I think the the traction is there with the the amount of support that this is um gained from a lot of people at at the end of the day, you know, we just want to be able to use our names and profiles and voices to, to get the conversation happening for, for everyone. And I've always said this, that, you know, sports um, has the power to, you know, move people and, and change and start the conversation. It, it transcends. So, you know, I'm just honoured to think that, that I'm part of such a significant cause.
3: Uh, a couple
0: before we let you go, how significant – Have you seen the growth in, I guess, the... the the way that, that Indigenous athletes are, are, have been embraced in, in sport. Obviously, uh, y- yourself and then Cathy Freeman through the Olympics and footballers like Michael Long and, and Nikki Winmar through the 90s as well helped to change that landscape. St Kilda have got a really close group at the moment with Jack, with Brad Hill, with Linets, Ben Long, Paddy Ryder, et cetera. that um, they seem to be in a really, really good space in terms of embracing and 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 promoting that culture.
4: Look, abs- absolutely, and and I sort of feel that if you have a good culture, you're going. It, it means there's there's happy people, and if you're happy, you're going to go out and be a happy footballer, so to speak. And I sort of feel that um, Annie Katrina Amon, who came on board a few months ago, she's the she's the mum of Carl Amon, who who plays for Port I sort of feel that her presence at the club has been absolutely phenomenal and she certainly has the respect of, you know, all of the Indigenous um, players. You know, there's nine of them at the moment at St Kilda. But I really have to look at the club itself and um, because you can't make change if you don't have good leadership. And I feel that the times that I have been at the club of, Seen Brett Ratton, you know, walk past Auntie Katrina, and he's like, "Hey, Auntie, how you going?" And you know, all of the the entire staff are really respectful. And you can't make change if you don't have good leadership. So I I take my hat off to, you know, um, the the CEO Matt Finnis and and all the leadership because they know that they've got you know nine Indigenous players what's that like a third 33 percent mm. of their mm. the playing lists That if they don't support that then it's going to create you know not a very good place to be at and I think last week when they did have the Indigenous round when I don't know, Eddie had or the week before when um St Kilda played um North Melbourne and he saw the imagery of Ben Long when he went into the room and saw the Aboriginal and Torres Strait on the flags and they picked it up. And Ben got really, really emotional after and, and Brett Ratton was like, are you okay, mate? You know, and he just said, "You know, this means a lot to me. It's, it's a small thing, but it's a big thing because carrying our flag, and I've said this many times that when you, when you fly our flag, it says you value us and you see us and you value our 50,000 years of heritage. And you don't lose, you know, white Australia, you don't lose your 250 years, you gain ours. And that meant a lot to Ben. And with Ben Long, like I said, you know, his grandparents was on the mission with my mother on the Tiwi Islands for 10 years. And so he's a proud, proud Aboriginal man like the rest of the Indigenous boys are. And they did a lot of education. And, you know, speaking to Aunty Katrina, she did a lot of work with all of the plays and making them understand our history because our history becomes everyone's history. And if you've got a good foundation, you're going to be rock solid. And I think that's where St. Kilda at the moment, they've got a really rock solid foundation. They're getting all the elements right. And, you know, I just think you can only go forward from here if you've maintained, you know, what, what they've got so far.
1: And just finally the, so we just had all the the two indigenous rounds and we've worn the jumper and, did you find Jack's kit and just, just grab one of his little girdsies and hide it away for yourself somewhere? <laughs> no, saying you like Nicky Winmar so much and know it was designed by him and uh, got one hidden away?
4: I, I have. I, I got one earlier on this year, so <laughs> I've got one at home. And um, it was funny because when I did the, um, the, uh, the, um, the videoing for um, um, Spud's game, I got the St Kilda jumper with the stk in the indigenous colors and jack was like how come you got one before i Mm -hmm. before i got one so do you know what i think it's just it's beautiful to see everyone embracing it and you know the aboriginal colors and and nikki winmar and his presence at the club is just fantastic he's just he's loved by not just the players past and present by also the fans and when Nicky went out before the game, um, you know, when they played against North Melbourne um, a couple of weeks ago and he played the ditch with his cousin and when he was walking off and he had the didge <laughs> and he was pumping it in the air and everyone was screaming out for him. So, you know, he's, he's a legend of the game as was Danny Frawley and it's important that, you know, you continue to give back because Nicky wouldn't have had the legacy if it wasn't for the opportunity he was given through the club. So... Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just such a a beautiful thing to see past players and past players' legacies and, you know, past players never forgotten, um, you know, in these important situations.
0: I know you're about to uh, sit down and watch a film, Nova, so we appreciate your time. (laughs) Could we be cheeky? I understand if we can't, but are we able to uh, ask a question each of Jack if he's in the room?
4: Yeah, Jack. (laughs) Can (laughs) I be? (laughs) We're about to head to the uh, movies to to watch Jurassic
0: Park. How you going? How you going, mate? Thanks for jumping on. Just want to ask how you are. How you finding it? You've been going all right this year. We've enjoyed watching you. How you How you settling into the season?
3: Um, Yeah, I'm loving it. Obviously, it's a dream come true for me. um, Just being on an AFL list, Um, and yeah, I think obviously it helps that we're winning games. But um, the culture down at the club is amazing at the moment, and um, all the boys are happy. And um, yeah, um, I think we're just—it's a, it's a very positive space where we're at at the moment. And um, I like, yeah, as you said, like I, I just love playing footy at the moment. Um, you know, i was, my, my first year of senior football, so um, just developing my game um, in the VFL um, and playing alongside my mates—it's yeah, it's awesome.
1: And has there been a good word of advice from mum? The how to do things, has been on the international stage the <laughs> AFL's not international but it's pretty high pressure
3: Yeah, I've, I've had advice from her my whole life really so um, I, I got that down packed from a young age, like how to deal with um, pressure and stuff like that um, through athletics and her coaching me through that um, Yeah, she um, she thinks she knows a lot about <laughs> AFL sometimes <laughs> but yeah um, <coughs> In terms of, yeah, she gives me more <laughs> advice. Um, I'd say like, you know, um, meant the, the mental side of sport, which is which is a very important side. Um, and yeah, that, that, that gives me a lot of confidence and, um, you know, gives me ideas of how to work through certain things and, you know, the highs and lows of sport. So yeah, I appreciate her and her advice a lot.
0: Well, thank you to ah uh, to both of you. Enjoy the ah uh, the, the film tonight, and really appreciate you giving us some minutes. And look forward to seeing you in the ones, Jack. And then thanks for all your work as well, Nova. Pleasure. Thank
4: you very much. Thank you. Thanks Cheers. for having us. Thank Bye. you very
0: much. Cheers. Well, that was Nova Paris. One thing we didn't mention, she's done a lot in her life, was obviously her stint in Parliament. And, of course, we spoke to Francis Leach uh, a couple of weeks ago, who was uh, very heavily involved in election night and counting votes and the like. We'll keep that flavour going for the second time on our uh, podcast this year. Uh, the Honourable Philip Deladakis has been able to jump on board and, and help us out with Nick Splitter lying low with the spicy cough this week. And, Phil, thanks for uh, for jumping off the, uh, the sub bench and taking Brian Burns' vest off and getting into it.
2: Well, it's just great to be back with the A-team. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I've been in the Magoos with, uh, with Nick. Of course, we <laughs> send him a special... A special cheerio, may he, and not only himself, but his wife and uh, Mm -hmm. little girl also get better because they're suffering as well.
0: Yeah, they got the trifecta you you don't want to get. Obviously, it's does tend to run through households when it does, uh, when it does lob and it's done that for for Nick. So hopefully back on deck ahead of the, uh, the Essendon game. Our our last show was a big mid-season review. I guess, how do you see it at the, at the midpoint? I mean, I think if we were off at eight and three, we would have taken it. And especially when we lost to Collingwood in round one.
2: Yeah, look, I I thought you guys covered it really well last week. And uh, even when I'm not on the, uh, the pod, uh, I listen uh, very closely and, uh, and Darren, I will take issue with the fact that uh, you gave it to my man Cooper Sharman. but uh, given that he's been <laughs> dropped this week, you're not alone. Anyway, we'll leave that one. We'll leave that one to talk about selection later. Look, I, I think we're pretty much where we should be, and uh, the only game that I'm disappointed that we we dropped was obviously Port. But again, you made the really good point that we always look at the ones that we drop, not the ones that we uh, we make. And there were two or three close ones that we got on top of. So I don't think anyone can be really disappointed with uh, eight and three. And, and I think, um, H, I think you might have said that uh, if, we, if we were offered eight and three at the start of the, the season, we would have jumped at it. So, uh, you know, we've got few injuries, uh, Jack to come, Jack Steele to come back. So I think things are looking pretty positive for us and a very strong Sandy uh, lineup as well.
1: We want to ask you for, a, you've heard of our, our awards we hand out sort of every week. Is there anyone you're going to put up yourself for any of those?
2: Yeah, well, um, you know, I could be nasty and put Nick Splitter up for the, uh, for the Shannon Knoll the Shannon Award. Lift, mate, lift. Uh, but uh, I won't. Uh, look, I, I actually think the one that I'd like to see lift, uh, and this might be very unfair because he does do a lot of work off the ball, is Tim Membrey. Uh, For somebody that's a dead-eyed dick, uh, he's going just over 50% uh, this year with his shots. Now, some of that's because he's taking shots a little bit further out and and probably more in the pockets than uh, in the centre, and that's to to give Max space, obviously. But I'd like to see a little bit more output from him. Uh, Of course, he does that dual role late in each quarter where he goes back. And, and, you know, he's such a a fantastic one-grab mark. But I'd like to see him do a little bit more up forward because that's where I think we really need him at his best. So he'll get my Shannon Noll Award. Uh, and the Jason Blake Award, and, and this is a guy that uh, is much maligned and he's won this award from uh, both of you and, and Nick as well on a number of occasions. Uh, and that's Seb Ross. Uh, he, I think, is in career best form uh, this year. And, and, you know, I, I don't know what we can put it down to I know that he suffers from sleep deprivation with his uh, uh his his twins at home uh but uh, either way he's smashing it on the field and you know you guys talked about his 65 meter goal I reckon it was 75 meters out from when he <laughs> kicked it um it rolled for about 20 meters but uh you know either way uh, I think he's been immense for us and I think he's been a a big reason why our midfields continued to dominate.
0: Uh, anyone else you want to give a bait to? We often spread our wings, Phil, outside of our own group um, and pot some others. Uh, who, uh, who
2: else is in the gun? Yeah, two, two spring to mind. The first one is the nuts that do the schedule <laughs> for, uh, for the VFL games. The fact that St Kilda's had two buys in that many weeks uh, is ridiculous, and to have a buy... When the seniors are having a bite, just does not make sense. Uh, so we've got this week. Jack Higgins coming in, who hasn't played for four weeks for obvious reasons, but could have done the with the run last Hunter week. Clark for sure. Yeah, absolutely right. So <laughs> so I'll give I'll give them a a bake, uh, and uh, also the commentary team, Brian Taylor and co, uh, who continually get names wrong of players. It's really not that hard. Uh, they've got big numbers on their back, but if you don't know what Max King looks like by now then you probably should give the game and calling away.
0: Yeah, I think guys that are six foot six that play full forward um, are pretty easy to distinguish from the, uh, from the rest out on the ground. But, but yeah, they had some shockers. And, look, I love Dwayne Russell. I've worked with him a bit before. But I think when we were five goals up on north early in the third quarter and Zeeble's having a shot and you're describing it as this is massive, this is huge – I think, unfortunately, you're trying to polish a turd a little bit there. That's uh, there's not much you can do to, uh, to to salvage that. I don't think, but um, yeah, it's uh, that's why I, often when I'm at home, I watch a lot of games on mute and just uh, enjoy the, the the silent sounds. Taking that Pull it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what,
2: listening to Darren Park and you could do worse, eh? You could do worse. <laughs>
0: Oh uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard work sometimes and I think sometimes the serenity of silence uh, in your own head is a, isn't a bad way to take it in but hopefully we don't need to do that on uh, on saturday nights um, gut feel I think for saints fans is is everything I'll start with you h you did mention at the start before we spoke to to nova that um we should head up there with a bit of confidence. We played them last year in a game that was supposed to be at the Gabba, but got moved to Metricon. I think was it because of floods or something along those lines, or who knows? It was either floods or COVID or something. But um, it got moved down south, and, and we fixed them up pretty comfortably at Metricon. But obviously, the is a bit tougher. know,
3: yeah,
1: we've also beaten the Gabba in recent times as well. So it, yeah. it's up up. Well, so it's basically two times in a row we've beaten them up there. Um it's they're not as frightening as what they may seem up up front um they're a very talented team they're a very drilled and skilled team that, that there's there's ways like we've seen melbourne the last two weeks there's ways to beat these teams they're, they're not unbeatable um yes they've come off against um Fremantle last week another top four team they're it's obviously going to be a hard game for them and they're coming back from Perth. So we're fresh off a buy. We've got to hit the ground running, get them early, get them early, get them basically get the crowd out of that. That's The crowd up there is a huge factor for them. If, if they're if their crowds out of the game, that you just see them dropping away a little bit. It's, we, we don't see it as much here in Melbourne as compared to what you're doing to state. Like, but, Adelaide's probably the best example of that. They they get their crowd gets up and going and it, it it lifts them. But Brisbane, you can put, put them down pretty quickly. Just keep them out of the game. Keep Neil out of the game. Just don't let him do what he wants to do. Don't let Daniel Rich do what he wants to do in the back line. He, he will damage you if you just let him float around the back there. So, might I don't know there's going to be a forward tag role for Ben Long there, maybe, or um, he's yeah, named on the half-forward flank, so he could possibly do a bit of that forward defensive role on on Rich. So it's it's just a few players there that you sort of got to look at and go, we need to sort of concentrate on those couple of players. We haven't done much tagging this year. But there's a couple there you sort of think, yeah, look, we've got to give a little bit of respect to and really tighten up on them because... We let Naki lock and he'll go, and he'll just tear us, tear us to pieces. Um, he is, he's in ripping form at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's a. Um... You read across their team and you, you look at, A, the goal-scoring options. So Danaher, who I assume they've named, Hipwoods, McStay, Cameron, uh, McCarthy. Obviously, Bailey kicks a lot of goals for them as well. They've got their midfielders like Zorko and and obviously Neil that could push forward, Barry. So uh, obviously Richard Andrews in, in defence. Uh, they, they've got a lot of quality players there. But in saying that, obviously, you look at their last couple of weeks. The Giants were six goals up on them in the first quarter. Um, Brisbane won that by four points. Obviously, Fremantle got them uh last week as as well, and Hawthorne beat them in Tasmania. So they've shown some vulnerability. They're, they're clearly a, a super talented side, but they play an open style, which means that you can score against them. And we've we've been a slow starter in, in almost every game we've played this year. If we start slowly against Brisbane, they're the type of team that could kick eight in the first quarter, in which case it's it's good night. So you've got to hang with them early, and then you'll get chances where you'll you'll have periods of momentum against them we do play them again later in the year at Marvel so it's obviously it's important that we probably get at least one of these two matches against them and you might as well win the first and, and open yourself up for that a little bit um, a little bit later on but we can match them through the middle, we can certainly get on top in the ruck uh, but clearly they've got a stack of goal scoring options and that's a test fill for our uh, very much informed defensive unit with uh, the great man Kel Wilkie to captain the side
2: Yes, I think at home, they're probably a four to six goals better side than they are when they play away. And I think that that's probably a lot to do with the conditions up there, uh, a little bit warmer and uh, certainly, uh, hopefully the crowd actually understand the AFL rules this time uh, because, uh, you know, I've been up there before uh, in in the crowd and uh, I kind of feel like probably they, they're a bit like the Sydney crowd of the mid 80s, just sort of learning their way. But um, that being the case, they are a super talented side. I mean, you, I mean the players that you just mentioned, I mean, you've got Zach Bailey, who keeps popping up, uh, Charlie Cameron, who can have four kicks and three goals. He can also have three points um, and one out of bounds. So, you know, critical to start well, as you said. And, you know, uh, Oscar McInerney, uh, I don't care what people say. I think he's probably, uh, for me, he's the, the the best ruckman in the league. And that's... There are a lot to choose from, and if I could bring him into the team uh, when Patty Ryder uh, decides to retire in 2041, uh, <laughs> if McInerney's still playing, then, you know, I'd, I'd look to bring him in. But, you know, again, we have to play to our strengths. And, uh, you know, I'd, the, only, the only one that I'd like to see in the team, I would actually like to see Hunter Clark in the team straight away. And if that means, for example, someone like Mitch Owens Gets uh, dropped. I would have liked to have seen Jack Higgins actually play a game uh, for Sandy rather than come straight in. I mean, he was out for concussion, so it's not like there was a serious injury uh, in terms of uh, physical limbs that he needed to recover from. But, you know, with Butler kicking five, I would have brought him in, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, you know, I know that I love Cooper Sharman. <laughs> I just think he adds something very different yeah. up in the forward line. And I think that he's that extra. If, if Tim Membry goes and plays sort of a bit higher, you can have Cooper Sharman play a little bit deeper. Uh, he's a great mark, but he also brings the ball to ground. And, and so I, I think we miss something with him not being there in the forward line, but you can't bring in Higgins and Butler Uh, at the same time and not have him uh, in that forward line as well. It just won't work.
1: Whether they're thinking about the same thing you just mentioned as the conditions, um, it it does get a bit greasy and slippery up there, as we do know. So whether we're thinking, all right, we we need to go in a little bit smaller this week to try and get those crummers and that sort of thing, whether that's the way we're looking. So can I ask you both,
2: right? So they say that naziah has been omitted because he's being managed, and yet he's stayed on the emergencies. I don't quite understand that.
0: The other ones, Hunter Clark, who they obviously feel isn't quite ready, um, and that's the problem with what you mentioned earlier with the the second buy in, in three or four weeks, where he's gone game by game, COVID by. Um, Obviously, if there was no buy last week, he would have played seniors this week. So they feel that he needs one more. But he's also listed as an emergency. So um, I think the emergencies, without having it in front of me, were Wanganine, Malera, Billings, Clark, and I guess probably Lienert. and yeah, and it So obviously, they want Burns to go back and play in the twos. Fair enough, Sharman, likewise. But out of that group, you'd think that Billings or, or, or it would have to be the the sub um, because Clark's not ready and Wanganeen's getting managed so yeah it's an interesting choice on the well, emergency list
1: well, all the players will travel up anyway mm-hmm. i believe because they play southport so they're all going to be up there anyway okay um <clears throat> yeah so it's a matter of i guess everyone travels and then the uh, the final team might be decided on on saturday before the VFL run out um so that that gives i guess that's one i mean Field's having to go at the schedule as before. This is mm. this is perfect. This is how it should be. We should be, if we go to Brisbane, our reserve's playing in Brisbane. And, and that's exactly how it should be. So yep. it that works with us. We can make decisions right up to the last minute, which is great for us. So we can set the conditions going to be like, to get the forecast. Okay, this is what it's going to be like. This is who's going to play. So yeah, there's the, could be the reason behind Clark being named because he will travel with the team no matter what. So yeah, it's just a, um, it, it might just be, they've put names on there to be on there. That's it. There's no meaning behind Clark being a, any, an emergency or anything really. So um, yeah, it's, it's lazy options open, which is great. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how it actually does end up lining
0: up yeah, Higgins genuine match winner. That's obviously important, Butler, great game in the, in the twos the other day, and hopefully he's shaked the, uh, the issues he was having with the Achilles and, and that might get him back to somewhere near his, his 2020 form. Um, and good Phil also that, that Owens uh, and and Windhager have obviously been maintained for their, their grunts through the middle of the grounds.
2: Yeah. Well, Windhager has been huge. I mean, he's got such a, a big body for a young bloke. Uh, He almost reminds me uh, a little bit of sort of the Mark McGoughs when Mark McGough uh, came in. The difference, of course, is that uh, he's a couple of years older than what Mark McGough was, and uh, he's kept putting some really good games together. So I think, you know, the signs are absolutely, the signs are pretty promising. Uh, My look in this team, I mean, obviously they're not going to line up the way that they've been. Uh, named because the St Kilda team's been named in some ridiculous positions, <laughs> uh, including Mason Wood at centre half forward. I, I think he's had a re- pretty good season, and uh, you know he keeps being sort of mentioned on the precipice of between the the Magoo's and and the seniors. But I think he continues to earn that spot, and he runs up and down the wing when he gets the chance. and And the other one, of course, is Brad Crouch, who. Uh, has been really uh, reliable this year with his body, not just with his uh, possession. But, you know, he was averaging, when we brought him to the club, one of the concerns that a lot of people would have had is he only averaged 11 games per season for the previous four seasons. And so for him to put such a, a good run together... and. Touch wood, and for those listening on the podcast, I've just been tapping my my head, um, <laughs> touch wood that he continues to have that good run because, obviously, without Steely, uh we, we need him doing that inside grunt work.
0: And Steele, I guess the, the pleasing sign out of that is that looking at the Sydney game for him. Um, so he would miss this one and the Essendon one, which would mean that factoring in the bye, he would only miss four games, which would be... A great result. And I guess if anybody was going to come back a little bit early from a shoulder injury, it would be someone as, as tough as Jack. So uh, that would be a, a valuable inclusion. Any concerns for, for either of you, starting with you, Hayes, just about the, I thought the clearances against Adelaide and North was still a bit of a worry. So we've obviously got to get first hands on it against, um, against Brisbane.
1: Yeah, I think we're discussing where we're winning him, but we're just giving him up too quickly. Um. Once we got the ball, we're then handing it straight back almost. So it's going to be a, a lot harder in the midfield, obviously, against Brisbane. They're, they're, they're a quick team. They'll be on to you. That you've got to get these pressure kicks out, but we've got to start hitting the target at the same time, or we've got to start making the position to be able to find that kick. Um, whether we try and play a bit more of an open forward line and, Give give that space like from the from the clearance, give that space for the forwards to run into instead of just crowding it all up and all of a sudden it sprays out to the wing and it's just a defender sitting there waiting for it. So it, it's we've got we've got to get that plan right. We've got to go where we if we get the ball, where are we where are we going? Are we going straight down the middle? Are we looking for the tall target? Are we going as, as deep as possible? Are we going to sit at the top of the 50? We're, what's our plan and that that seems to be where the downfall i think has been that there's no plan we get it out there now what happens oh they've got they've got the ball now so it's yeah just a it's just the thing where the the players need to know what each other's doing and work with each other figure it out And, and, and all of a sudden it'll just start clicking and we'll get the we'll get these clearances we'll get a mark in the 50 And that's where that, and that's where this 666 was meant to make it easier for these forwards that you didn't have an extra defender back at the bounce. Gave them the space to, I guess, take these marks. So let's, let's figure something out that gets, yeah, gets our forward line working. Um, but in thinking of that, I'd, I'd love to see Max have the big week this week. He's, up Against Harris Andrews, who's struggled for a few weeks now, I would say. He's, he, he's what two years ago, all Australian. And the last few weeks I've I've watched their I've actually watched the Brisbane games the last few weeks, and I'm looking and going, he is nowhere near the form he showed two years ago. Not even close. So it's a big opportunity for Max to take down an all Australian fullback here and Really, which he did, which he did put last stand year on the as game. Well. He got yeah, him last exactly. year. In fun. An, yeah, even bigger chance here to basically own a game, and and just make it his. And yeah, make 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 Andrews know that you've got you've got a few years ahead of you here. And I'm not going to make it easy on you any time.
0: And the last three scores they've conceded, Brisbane, I think have been 119, 96, and 100. So um, teams have been getting points against them as as heavy as they do score themselves. So how are your confidence levels? Because I'm, I'm trying to get a read on, you know, we spoke about the Melbourne game as a barometer and the Geelong game as one we had to win because we had to move past a team like Geelong. Uh, Brisbane are probably halfway between Geelong and Melbourne, I guess, in in many respects. So um, is it a case of we need to win it to show we're top four, that this is the type of game we should be winning? How do you, how do you sort of see this one?
2: Well, if <clears throat> Brisbane
0: are a four-goal better side, at home,
2: which I think they are, then obviously every team that goes up there is up against it uh, straight away. But, you know, if you want to be a good team, uh, you need to be beating the best teams. If you want to be at the pointy end of the season, you're going to need to beat them at some point uh, and you're going to need to beat them in the finals. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, I remember last year people complaining about our draw, and I looked at the draw and thought, okay, I'm sure, it's a little bit tougher than what some of the other clubs might have, wanting to make the top eight. But uh, you're not going to you're not going to do anything in the finals unless you actually uh, have the game style and and the players playing at the top of their game, winning and beating uh, people that are around you. And they dropped one that they probably shouldn't have last week, so they're going to be pretty hard at it, you would have thought, but it's also Max King's 50th. And so hopefully uh, backing on from what H said, that he does have a ripper because uh, there's nothing like being able to celebrate a milestone game than uh, performing at your best. And I agree also, I don't think Harris has played at his best recently, but uh, it'd be uh, oh so St Kilda for Joe Danaher to come back from uh, 15 weeks off or however many weeks he's been away. And, and uh, he hasn't, I don't think, kicked straight much uh, in, in recent times when he has played, but for him to come out and,
0: and pull out a blinder, that would be so St <laughs> It would. It would. I, I, I guess in essence, and we might, we might be able to... May well be reflecting on that, but but I love games like this because they can be, for for want of a better expression, those sort of elevation games, the holy shit games where um, you sit there and you think, well, if you win the game on, on Saturday night and you sit back after that match, you think about what that actually means. You're like, shit, we will have beaten Brisbane at the Gabba and Fremantle in Perth in the same season. We're probably fair income. Obviously, if you lose the game, you might still have some doubts. You might be looking at it going, oh, yeah, not so sure. We lost by 20 points. We might beat them at Marvel. Can we improve? Jack Steele will be back, blah, blah, blah. There might be question marks. But if you win the game, then, again, it's an elevation game. You you deserve to be in the conversation um, for the, the big boys if you obviously get a result like that. So. As, as daunting as the task is, and as much as you don't want to build yourself up like that, you do have to look into the crystal ball and go that the conversation next week is a very interesting one if you win that game somehow.
2: So I've got a question for both of you. Do you tag uh, Lockie Neal,
0: Daniel Rich, or Dwayne uh, Zorko? Dwayne uh, Zorko, Sorry? I'd probably try to tag Daniel Rich because I reckon Brisbane launch a lot from that area and combat them through the middle. And I'd make sure i put uh, – he's probably not as on Broadway as some of those other guys, but I'd be putting a stack of attention into Bailey. He seems to, he seems to kick three a week. Obviously, he doesn't because he's not going to kick 70 in a season. But it feels like he kicks three a week and, and is constantly a danger. So – uh, Rich is probably the one, because I reckon he'd be the most taggable of those guys, and he's a beautiful kick of the footy, so if you can restrict him to seven or eight kicks as opposed to 16, uh, then that's hugely beneficial, and I try to make sure that Bailey doesn't hit the scoreboard. H. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, you've got to not give Rich that cutout out kick from mm-hmm. the back line. He, he's, every time he has possession, we need to be up in his face, in on the as far up onto the mark as we can and just making making him kick over you because team's been giving him that that five meters from standing back off the mark and he he's basically got the whole field in front of him. He just goes, where do I want to kick this? And he does. and he and he hits a target more often than he and he doesn't. So just pressuring that release out of defense that they usually have quite freely force the turnovers, force the one-on-one, force the dead ball. Don't Just don't let them have that easy kick out. And they'll find that the ball will come back at them quicker than what they used to if we're able to do that. Because I, they, they do drift a bit after their – <clears throat> I've seen a lot of goals kicked over their heads. They've Rich will get the ball out of there and all of a sudden – or whatever, there'll be a turnover somewhere else or – and all of a sudden, you kick it over their heads and they've got one defender on three forwards. And yeah, the forwards have just crept up. Uh, the back defenders have crept up the field looking for an easy ball somewhere. The quicker you turn it over on them, get it back over the top of them, and you're on the run. And, and we we kicked a few goals against them in the last two years like that. Um, Butler was probably the one two years ago that we, we I think we saw him do that a few times against them. So it's the sort of game that they play, they will push up the field. The whole field will shift, but they're not the quickest team back. So, yeah, I, it's a way to look at it. We've really got to pressure their release from defense, and I, I think that's probably the key to win the game.
2: I'd love to see Ben Long on Daniel Rich, and every time Daniel Rich's hands touch the leather, Longy pile him into the ground with a tackle. And I don't mind if he gives a couple of tackles away because the umpire's go you've got to him before he's taken the ball. Make him earn it. Make him feel it. Make him hurt every single time uh, he's got the ball in his hands.
0: Yep, I love that. And I think that's the the way that we approach it. Um, I guess, gut feels, before we, we wrap up this week, uh, Phil, do you... If you put it in percentage terms, or how how you're feeling about um about whether we're going to bring them home,
2: I think it's going to be a really close game, mm-hmm. and
0: uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tip the Saints by nine points. I can live with that, albeit a torturous evening. Hey, your confidence levels?
1: As I say, more confident than I've been going into other years. Um, I've done the the whole don't pick us and hope that we get the win. So yeah, I'm, I've sat there today doing my tips and I thought uh, we're, uh, the worst thing was we're also the knockout game in a competition. I mean, so I thought that's, that, that's of course the way it is, isn't it? So I thought, nah, I'll, I'll pick against this in the hope that, yep, I'll, I'll put the curse on it and get us the win. So let, let, let's hope that's the way it works.
0: Feel good about it, but you could ask me again on Saturday. But, but bring it on. It's it's a highly, highly winnable game. They're a very good side, but there's no reason why we can't compete in a match like this. So uh, we look forward to it. Thank you, Phil, for, for jumping in and, uh, and giving us a shot. What's out. your
2: tip, Darren? What's your uh,
0: tip? Uh, 17 points, Saints. I think um yes. I'm, I'm feeling all right about it I'm feeling all right about it like could easily lose could could easily lose like they they're that talented but if you're asking me now my my feeling is we'll go all right so um yeah, I think we haven't mentioned it too much because I don't think it's the it's the be all and end all I think teams can sometimes overcome this, but they're also on a six-day break coming back from Perth heading into a buy. Um, and provided we've come out of the buy, not like Geelong comes out of a buy, but but come out of it okay, then um then hopefully we're a bit fresher and, and can outlast them in a close game. So it might be foolhardy to tip us, but I, I think we're in it up to our ears, to be honest. So uh let's uh let's go and get them and then come back and and feast on Essendon next week, but uh, go Saints.